Hello, welcome to Friends at Film Camp, the podcast where two friends gather the fire from our fun film perspectives. I'm Janine. And I'm Luke. <clears throat> Today we're talking about 12 guys. She means 12 <laughs> angry men. It's really funny. It's a really funny joke and I like it. 12 Angry Men was directed by Sidney Lament and written by Reginald Rose who also wrote the original teleplay. Reginald. Yes. This was a 1960s pro- 50s project. When did it come out? 50s. But what year? 57 for the movie, 54 for the play. <laughs> when did the war end? Is that in the 40s? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I just had to make sure. It was produced and stars Henry Fonda and also stars Lee J. Kolb and 10 other guys. But those are the two names that won stuff. Oh, yeah. Jane Fonda's dad, right? Yes. Which Henry, one was he? He was number eight. What did number eight do? Number eight was the one that was like, I don't know if we should kill him right away. Oh, he was the main guy. Yeah. Sick. Remember, none of them have names. That's cool. I know, but I don't know their numbers. I just know their characteristics. Well, they're numbered. Yeah, but I don't know. It is really cool that the movie is able to, like, not have you even care that none of these people have names. Mm. That's hard to do. You don't even think about it, that none of these people have names. It's not that hard to do. That's hard to have 12 people in one room just talking the whole time. And they never once, que- you never once even consider who, what their name is. I guess When so. they're talking with each other. Fleabag goes- doesn't have names. Yeah. Fleabag's also a famously well-written show. Okay, I didn't say it's impossible. Well, why do you think that these well-written things are avoiding names? Do you think successfully avoiding names makes it automatically well-written? Because this is an interesting, like, case study. Well, I don't think avoiding names <laughs> makes it well written. No, 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 but if you but do it successfully, w- right? I think it's if you do it very well written, you don't need names. Have you can you think of what can you think of a nameless thing that did it badly? <laughs> I know this wasn't your point. I'm just very interested in this. <laughs> the man with no name. Wait, what's that? <laughs> That's those Quentin Tarantino movies that they retroactively made, gave a name. Because people mm. got mad that there was no name. Mm. They were like, this is his name. I think that's what happened. Anyway, it's a very well-written movie. Yes. This is a play. I that also... That feels like a play in all the right ways, but still feels cinematic enough to be a film. Yeah. Which is hard to do. Plays turned into movies... <laughs> have a problem which Mm. this movie also kind of has but it's not a problem here okay the thing with the play is it's usually set in one room and here obviously that room is the jury room that's where they all are yeah and the problem is is that it's hard for a play when it goes to film to feel cinematic because you can't leave the room Mm. that's what makes a well done play adapt adaptation work is that you don't feel you usually it works well hold on whoa sorry i spun Mm -hmm. when i stood up and like my head was unexpecting that not expecting that 
was expecting that. I think that a lot of plays that go to film mm-hmm. when they adapt the the concept of tightness, that's when it works best. Yeah. Because now we've never seen the whale. But a big part of the whale in the film from what I've read is that it's all about feeling confined. Mm-hmm. He's trapped in his body. Just like he's trapped in this tiny house. Yeah. And this room, this show also does that. These people are trapped in this tiny room. Yeah, but the 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 vibe isn't claustrophobic. No, it's not claustrophobic, but it's like heated. You can feel the heat and you can feel like the tenseness in the room. This is an uncomfortable place to be. I was going to say that. I noticed them using a lot of camera techniques that were also in the room. Did you ever see that with Brie Larson? No. And obviously this came before, so the room was using a lot of techniques from this. But <laughs> Retroactive stealing. There um, is sort of a similar conundrum that the first half of that movie takes place in a very small room, right? But how they do it is they make these sort of like areas within the room and I noticed that especially a few times and I think they did this with sound design as well is sometimes you would we would be in like one area with two guys and you couldn't hear anyone else Mm -hmm. so it almost um blurred the borders of sort of they could have been the only two people at that point Do you know what I mean? So it kind of made it feel like more... I think that was part of making it cinematic is, you know, like there was obviously a lot of thought put into shots. It was not like a sitcom setup, which you could have done and like gotten everyone. It was like people move to different sections and they have their own like cornered off areas. So Every shot is very well planned out. So you're moving around and stuff. Here's the interesting thing. And I'm really glad you brought up sitcom. Yeah. Because this is the director's first film. But he did TV before it. Mm -hmm. He was mostly a TV show director. Yeah. This was his first big film. Like his first ever film. Mm. It's shocking to me because of how well it's directed. Mm. Because every shot, it feels so intentional where every single person is. Yeah. They spent hours, probably in that tiny room, hating each other and being, like, claustrophobic and all that. Mm -hmm. Being like, we need to figure out how to place all these people in every shot. And it works so well. Now, I added... So, the, the basic plot of this movie, which is really interesting is there are 12 jurors and they are deciding on a case in which if they decide that the boy, well, the 18-year-old who is guilty, uh, wait, if they decide the 18-year-old is guilty, then he gets the death sentence. So they are deciding between the death sentence or, like, not guilty. Um, and it seems like an open and shut case to most of them at first, But one guy is voting for not guilty because he wants to talk it through first and think it out. Because he was, some things were not sitting well with him, so he was like, let's think about it. But he also isn't even like, 
he didn't do it. He's just really like, I want to know I spent more than a minute. Yeah. Talking about sending a kid to die. I do think this is, it's also, it's an interesting thing that I think is good. And I remember this. Do you remember, um, so the famous Casey Anthony trial, I remember when that was happening, um, there was a huge, uh, media circus around it. And when the not guilty verdict came out, a lot of people were very mad um, because a lot of people were convinced that she had done it. And the jurors were, I think, especially because there was so much, I don't know if jurors are normally anonymous, but especially because there was so much like fanfare around it, they definitely were for this case. Do you know if they're normally anonymous? Uh, I don't think. I don't know exactly. I know a judge can be, like, extra anonymous, but I'm not sure if they're, like, you're just, they're not, they're just kind of supposed to be nobodies. You're not supposed to know about them at all. I remember one of the jurors came forward and agreed to talk to the news, which was, like, most of them weren't because there was, people were very angry at them that they had decided that it was not guilty. And I remember the one juror was, like... We couldn't, like, yes, there's all this circumstantial evidence, but there was all these questions that we had that were not answered, and we couldn't say that beyond a reasonable doubt she was guilty. Yes. We couldn't say that. And it was, like, it was such, I think it was such, like, a stark reminder that that is what you're supposed to be deciding. It's not, like, really... Mm-hmm. It's not even if you think they did it. It's if you think they did it beyond a reasonable doubt, have which be. is so different. And yeah. I think especially in media or just as like people, if we're listening to like true crime or whatever, it can be so easy to like emotionally be like, that guy did it. Yeah, I hate him. But when you come down to like, you actually have to decide like you're going to potentially ruin this person's life. It's not just do you think they did it? It's. Like, could they possibly not have? You know what I mean? And so I think that this movie, basically the entire thing is interrogating that question and being like, no, this is actually how we're supposed to do it. was super interesting and, like, still really relevant (laughs) in a way that's, like, the whole movie is kind of still really relevant. Now, this movie, a big theme of this movie is kind of standing up to the idea of McCarthyism and mob mentality. Yeah. Which is basically like the whole room kind of is just like, yeah, he's guilty. And mm-hmm. now it, for me, I don't know about you, but I felt like there was a few people in there who just kind of said guilty because mm-hmm. they were like, well, everyone else thinks he's guilty. Mm-hmm. And like they didn't think about it much. Yeah. Like it wasn't that they didn't think he was guilty, it's that they didn't want to think about it. Yeah. So they were just like, people seem to think he's guilty. And that's scary to me. Like that. Like, yeah. the idea of being on a jury is, like, stressful to me. Yeah. Which is a good thing, because, like, you should be stressed a little. Yeah. It's a serious matter. It's your public civic duty. Although I still wish you got paid for jury duty. Mm. I get why you don't, but I don't like it. hmm <laughs> Anyway. <sighs> yeah. Like, it's stressful, the concept of jury duty. Yeah. And these people are not stressed. Yeah, some of them. No, at the start, none of them are stressed, except for Henry Fonda. 
or juror number eight, as I want to call them. Well, some of, no, some of them are taking it more seriously. I think it's not just that every like people are going along. It's like we get the impression from the trial that his defense was not putting up a good fight. So basically, everything they saw throughout the entirety of the trial was just reinforcing that he did it and he was the one who had to have done it because the defense wasn't really doing their job. Yeah. So I think it's also that... Which is Again, also a critique on our public defender system. Yeah, and it's like that... I say are. I know we're Canadian and they're American. But there's a lot of overlap and stuff like that. Yeah. The, the, yeah, so like the crux... I think something interesting as well that was happening in this is the juror number eight was really taking the position of the defense attorney. Because mm. he was... And he even said that aloud. He was like, the defense attorney was not doing his job. <laughs> and... Like, that was part of what kind of, I think, raised a red flag for him, where he was like, this isn't being properly explored or whatever. So, Which, but, like, I way, don't think it's really, like, the the responsibility of a jury to be the defense attorney, right? But yes, because they had to, like, pick up the slack in this case. Mm-hmm. Now, technically, what he did in this case is illegal. What did he do? He, like, the two things. One, the buying the other knife. Yeah. In, from the neighborhood. Yeah. If he had actually done that, that'd be an instant mistrial. Wait, why? Because that's like doing his own research. Oh, okay. It is illegal. Oh. It's super illegal. <laughs> uh-huh. uh, and this is all from Justi- Supreme Court Justice Sotom- Sotomayor. I don't who, know what that means. She's a judge in the U.S. who's l- talked about this movie. She oh. really likes this movie. Oh, okay. She but does. she was like, that was super illegal. And also... <laughs> The scene where they talk about the nose thing. Yeah. They were like, that's also super illegal. Why? Because they they were inferring too much mm. for what was reasonably grounds, from my understanding. Okay. They put too many pieces together that weren't presented to them. Gotcha. From That's my understanding. Obviously, I'm not a lawyer. So if there's a real lawyer who wants to collab on the pod, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to get so many lawyer requests now. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, the whole point of this is juror number eight is basically like, let's actually look at this. Yeah. Basically, it's like, let's just look at this once. And everyone's really mad and grumpy. Mm-hmm. And everyone being mad and grumpy kind of turns the old man, juror number nine, off of them. Yeah. And he says not guilty, too, just to avoid juror number eight having to feel like he's standing alone. So I I added some ex- extra intense tension to this movie for myself because at the beginning of the movie the old juror number nine yeah he's in the bathroom for a while and i was convinced for some reason when somebody was gonna go get him that he was gonna be dead and then like i don't know what happens in that scenario but i was convinced he was gonna be dead and then he wasn't and i was like okay thank goodness an important context for this going forward is that I've seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. The whole reason I wanted to do it was I saw a clip of it on TikTok and yeah. I remembered how good the story was. Yeah. And I was like, I gotta want to like watch it again altogether. So I watched it in grade eight. Our grade eight teacher was like, you need to watch this movie. And he was all like, it's so brilliant. I had a very smart grade eight teacher. Uh-huh. He was like pretentious, but not in a bad way, in a pushing yourself way. Uh-huh. 
Anyway, so this film's always stuck with me as something that's supposed to be important. Yeah. Because our pretentious grade 8 teacher, who again, pretentious in a good way. Uh-huh. Uh, he was like, this is important. And I was like, it is important. Yeah. But you hadn't even of heard of it before. Which well, to me I've is like, a little shocking. I've like heard the title maybe. Mm-hmm. Like, the title sounds familiar, but I didn't know what it was about or anything. You didn't know anything. And then I forbid you, because uh-huh. I thought it would be really fun. I was like, you can't read anything about it. You can't. I don't want you to. Yeah. So I put my foot down, and then you almost looked it up a few times. Yeah. Well, but you didn't, and I was so happy you didn't, because then you got to go in, like, completely blind. And I loved your little gasps. <laughs> yes. Just like a bunch of little things. Yeah, so so shocked. I was like convinced that yeah, I was convinced the old man was dead and then he wasn't. But then later, like midway through the movie, it's getting really hot in the room because like the fan isn't working, and he like stands up all of a sudden, and then he gets like faint and he has to sit back down. And then I was like, oh no, he's dying now. Like I just really thought this guy was gonna die. You really did. At one point, I thought somebody else was gonna die. I don't. For some reason, I was like, someone's gonna die, and (laughs) nobody died. No one died. It's now that I found. But it I did add an extra edge stage. to the movie. Oh yeah. Yeah, I took my grandma. Was it good? Yeah. They added an intermission, <sighs> which was awkward because mm. it's not a story that's designed for an intermission. Yeah. But it's also two hours of twelve people yelling in a room. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was also really proud of the movie. I. I have been seeing. I was going to say a lot of movies from this area, era. I guess. I don't know. A lot is subjective. But I've been seeing quite a few movies from this era of filmmaking that surprise me in how progressive they are. Mm-hmm. And I was really excited that this movie addressed race in a way that was like pretty good yeah it was like cool so like the kid on trial is from the slums and i think it's implied he's puerto rican is that the implication intentionally vague yeah but we as the audience from cultural clues the (laughs) actor who we saw for the one shot yeah and just like a few other things but we can infer very loosely he's maybe puerto rican is this around... which was relevant at the time for new york yeah this that is was like west side, side story, story times yeah. yeah so it was it was like a big cultural thing so at the time there's like quite a few well <laughs> mainly two right old white guys on the on the jury there's a few old white guys but you i'm talking about the racist old white guys there's only one racist. There is. Yeah. Well, they're in the fifties. Nah, I think the angry guy is other, other kind of also racist. No, he's not racist. He's he's mad at this is the end of the movie. Yeah. He's mad at the kid because he sees himself in the relationship between the kid and his father, and he's mad because his son abandoned him. And he wants this kid to be guilty so he can punish this kid in place of his son, who isn't there. Yeah. So this is him putting his personal stuff in. I just think he also said racist stuff. 
But anyway, there could be maybe the other guy. The other guy is very racist. He's he's the racist one, which is very it's very intentionally used as like the racism is bad Mm -hmm. type thing. But I was proud of them for how explicit they made it. Like, because they kind of start out where he's like, he says things like offhandedly a few times, and then everyone's like, okay, let's, like, calm down. He's just like that, whatever. It's kind of giving the vibe of like grandpa's saying, grandpa's had one too many beers, mm-hmm. and start saying some opinions energy, which is like, everyone's kind of just like, whatever, we're just going to keep moving forward. Because they can't, like, they can't leave or do anything about it. They can't stop him. So they just kind of keep moving forward. But then, like, as it goes on, especially, it was really powerful when he gets really racist about it and doing his speech. And everyone just, like, gets up from the table and starts ignoring him until he shuts up. Mm Mm-hmm. That was that was powerful and that was that was interesting. It I was really powerful, liked that. but it was it wasn't preachy in like a like sit down. Here's your lesson. It just kind of showed the lesson. Yeah, which is harder to do with this sort of thing, which yeah. again goes back to the writing. Uh, but I really liked it. I really liked how they allowed the scene to take up space with mm-hmm. and kind of take up silence like pe- it was powerful because it was quiet not because it was loud yeah like there no one stood up and was like how dare you don't you know ba-da-da, and like did a whole monologue about how racism is bad mm-hmm. which those can work too but it is really powerful everyone's just like had enough of him yeah and they just ignore him and when you ignore him Suddenly, he just loses all that power. Mm-hmm. The only one that says anything to him is the very last guy who's just like, sit down, shut up. Yeah. And it's really good. It is really good. Also, this is a neat little thing that I thought was cool. But Jared number eight, who's like our perfect savior guy throughout most of this. Yeah. Was not the first one to stand up and turn around. Yeah, wasn't it the guy from the slums? Yeah, he but our Jerry guy was like fourth or fifth. Yeah. He was not first, which I was just like, good. They didn't make him like <clears throat> perfect in that way. Yeah, I also want to talk about that guy. What was which juror is he? Well, do you just want to go through the jurors by number? Not really. Can we go through the jurors by number? Because <laughs> sure. that way I can keep track of which ones we have and haven't talked about. Because <laughs> okay. we've talked about eight. But Jared number one is the foreman who is like calm and orderly in the uh, high school football coach. He's nice. <laughs> I like him. I he I he's very me vibes in where I'm just like, okay, we need order. But then like he when that one guy gets mad at him for how he's doing it and he like freaks out. Yes. He, it was that was so relatable. That's not me vibes, but yeah, it was very relatable. Like, it was immediately like, fine, you do it. Fuck everyone. And everyone's like, okay, calm down. We want you to be in charge. I thought that was cute. Yeah, it was really, it was sincere because you get the personal moment. Also, the scene where everyone's like raising their hand and he's like, eight. Oh, wait, nine. Yeah. He kind of forgot to count himself for a second. 
I, I liked that. There was like a weird interaction where he was talking to Juror 8 and he was talking about, it was when it started raining and he was talking about the, also, does it start raining when the not guilty starts to overtake the guilty? Uh, I wonder where it starts raining in that count. Uh, I'm going to try and find out. <sighs> anyway, he's talking to Juror 8 about like a game because he said he coached football or something. And he was like, oh, last time it was raining like this, it was like this many weeks ago. It was raining so hard, blah, blah, blah. He was really talking about raining in time. And I was like, oh, my God, they're going to realize that it was raining on the night. And then that's going to change something. But they didn't. It didn't go anywhere. But I thought that was weird. Jury number two. He was kind of the... (sighs) Dweeb. Yeah. (laughs) He was the dweeb. He was a really good dweeb. He's nice. I liked him. It's fun. I liked him. Uh, there isn't really much to add on him. He's kind of just like the weaker individual, but where he's he kind of learns as, to stand up to himself. Yeah, he's not as like prominent in the story, but I think what he does really well is I think he is a foil to the sports guy. How so? Because the first when they first get there. he's talking about how he's never done this before. And sports guy, it's like, I do it all the time, right? And then, so that establishes to us sports guy's thing more than his. But I think he has sort of a quiet um, quality of character almost that builds throughout um, in which he he becomes very confident in how he feels about stuff whereas sports guy who comes across very overtly confident his morals seem to crumble as time goes on oh i like that right? i didn't think of that yeah <laughs> good thinking there this is why you're the media major so juror number three is our hot-tempered business owner who's estranged with son right right uh he is like the second most awarded for this show in this film like that's like the okay, other award position. He has a lot position. to do, so I get it. Yeah, he has a lot of stuff to do. He has the speeches and the monologue, and he gets the scene where he cries. Yeah, and you feel at the very end, you kind of feel bad for him because you can tell that this is we're going to bring in toxic masculinity for a minute. Yeah, but you can tell that he's like he always wants. To, he spent his whole life trying to toughen up his son. Mm-hmm. So you saw him like run away from a fight once. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe for if it was my kid, I'd be like, "Good job, you didn't get into a fight." Yeah. But fifties, different time, different mindset. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he tried to toughen up his son, and he clearly pushed his son away because of it, and his son doesn't talk to him anymore. Yep. And he hasn't really been able to process that ever, and he's kind of using. He also says... as a way to process it. So, yeah. He he speaks with a lot of violence as well, where he says, like, I'm going to make you a man, even if I have to break you. And Mm. then he talks about how, when his son was older and bigger, they got into a fight and he hurt him. And then how they hadn't seen himself. He hadn't seen him in two years. Um... Which I think is just important in terms of the violence of the case they're talking about, or where they're talking about a son potentially murdering his dad, in that um, I think whatever happens, 
in which his son like quote hurt him which like, we don't really get the details of whatever happened but I do think that there's an even like there's obviously a parallel I think there's even more a direct parallel than like the audience might be privy to in terms of like him feeling like his son could have killed him at that moment you know mm-hmm. yeah and I liked how at the end he has his blow up and then he realizes this is he's not thinking it's guilty he's doing it because it's personal mm-hmm. and he does the final not guilty vote yeah uh he's kind of saying they're still crying at the table or like being really sad at the table mm-hmm. during where he gets his jacket for him yeah kind of there is the implicitness of him being like okay it's time to man up now and put your jacket on which you could that's like going too many layers in mm-hmm. but it's like sincere it's kind of a reminder this isn't <laughs> this isn't personal it's just jury yeah i guess i don't know i don't like this guy that much I don't like him. I know you like, don't like him. I have not that much sympathy for him. Well, I think that's the difference in what we do. That's fair. My job is to have sympathy for people. Yes. My job involves a lot of having sympathy for people who aren't necessarily very sympathetic at the front. That is And not just fair. this job, but like broad profession. Yeah. Uh, Jury number four. This is... <gasps> glasses guy? Yes. This is glasses guy. He's a very by the facts. He's got. He's very... a stockbroker who's very like, facts are facts. A most, um, facts don't care about your feelings. Energy. If I don't think he he they set up his ethnicity at all, but he has very German vibes, and by that I mean movie German. I mean like the most stereotypical German. <laughs> you know what I mean. Like, that's kind of his vibe. He does have stereotypical German movie vibes. Yeah. But his big thing, and he is actually very important to the story. Mm -hmm. Because he, as I said, like, the facts don't care about your emotions feel kind of helps to keep the group in check. Yeah. Because there's a few times the group does get a little too emotional in the sense of they say, well, he had a hard life. Yeah. And... They acknowledge that. And you can acknowledge that, but that's not what they're deciding here. Is Was it, did he have a hard life to justify this act? Was mm-hmm. it, did he have a hard life and commit this crime? He was also good because, and I think he was needed because so many of the... So when the movie starts, everyone is voting for guilty. Um, and then it, as it slowly progresses, everyone's convinced to vote not guilty because they establish too too much reason for doubt, right? Um, he's one of the longest to hold on to guilty. And of those last ones who are very invested, he is not emotional about it. Whereas the other guys are very sort of bombastic bombastic and taking it personally he's sort of there and he's like he he's the reasonable one where they can be like why do you think and he's like hey this is why you know what i mean mm-hmm. uh and yeah he's the last reasonable argument they need to convince and he does bring up the fair point there was a direct witness to the crime yeah and he says that he saw it or that she saw it so there's just not much evidence 
And what well, is the th- what is the thing? Because earlier, so everyone's sweating because it's hot, and then at one point the guy beside him is like, "Don't you ever sweat?" And he's like, "No." And then I think it's juror number eight is talking to him, and he does something, and you see like a bead of sweat call- go down his forehead, and it's very like, "Woo!" What mm. what did juror eight say? Do you remember? I think it's the glasses thing. Is it? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's just him finally being pushed to a point where he's like concerned he could be wrong. Mm. He's not like upset he's wrong. He's like, I could be wrong about this. And then that's how he gets to the not guilty. There's this scene in the 80s Total Recall that's very similar where like, because the whole thing about Total Recall is like, you don't know if it's really happening or if it's in his head. And at one point, this guy comes into the so-called, like, simulation. Um, and he's all like, you have to come out, Arnold. Come on. This isn't real. And Arnold's like, I don't know. And he has a gun. And then the guy has sweat coming down his thing. And he shoots him in the head because he's lying because he's sweat. And I always thought that that was a very, like, <laughs> sure reaction to, <laughs> to that. Like, maybe he was sweating because you were pointing a gun at him. I don't know. But anyway, um, that always stood out to me. It's pretty iconic. And I feel like this is a better use of the sweat drop because nobody got shot in the head. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I guess. You just really wanted this to be like a sudden murder mystery. <laughs> and it's not that kind of murder mystery. Uh,. Number five is... Number five. <laughs> He's the... Uh, grew up in violent... Oh, I violent, love him! Quote, slump. He is so great because the there's so much talk, I think mostly from old guy with a cold who's racist, yeah. about how, like, people from slums are the worst and they're shitty and I hate them and they're all bad or whatever. And this guy's like, fuck you, I'm from the slum. And they're like, well, we don't mean you. But it's like, which is such a classic, like, thing that those types of people say. But he's very... I And I, I'm just so glad that, like, his perspective is in there. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Yeah, I really like that his perspective's there. I think it's and I really like that actor. He doesn't have that much to do. Like, he's not one of the ones with the bigger roles. Mm-hmm. He's probably, like, a medium role. But the actor, I don't know who that is. I've never seen him before. But he just has, like, a lot of presence. So, like, even in the beginning, when they're kind of going through the votes and he doesn't want to explain his, like, you can tell that he's got a lot of etern- internal, like, thoughts and stuff going on, even when he's not speaking, which I think is cool. Mm-hmm. He's probably one of the more awarded actors from this film. Mm. Like, outside of it. Number six. Number six is the least interesting juror, I think. Not bad juror, but he just has very little to do. He is the house painter who is like, don't you be mean to old people. Oh yeah, that guy. He's I nice. like him. He's nice. He's nice. Him getting really defensive. Like, that was cute. <laughs> kind of came out of nowhere. He's sincere, but yeah. he's just a guy. But you also but do have 12 guys. He also had a really... I really liked his interaction in the bathroom with juror number eight. When... What does juror number eight do? He's like, suppose that you were on the stand. 
like suppose that like we were deciding for you like when you want because he was like do you really think he's not guilty like why are you keeping us all here blah 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 and he was like suppose you were blah 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 and then he's like i'm not much one for supposing but i'll give it a go and then what does he say he's like suppose we like release this guy and he's he did it which i thought was interesting and i was i don't know i thought it was a good interaction yeah it was that was a very good reaction because it kind of it reflected we could see it in journey number eight dice he's like i better be sure about what i'm saying here yeah he's like what if i cocked them all out of taking a guilty guy mm-hmm. to jail or to death who's like actually a killer but yeah otherwise juror number six doesn't know much to do jury number seven he is our baseball guy he loves his baseball references he looks the least businessy He's been on a jury a bunch before. Yes, he he's, loves. He's very like whatever. He, he wants doesn't to want to get be out here. of there to get to the baseball game because he has yeah. tickets. Yes. And uh, it's halfway through the, f- not halfway, like more than halfway through the film, he changes his vote from guilty to not guilty, seemingly whole- because that's where the tide is going, and he's kind of like get me out of here, which is what he's been like the whole time, but um. Juror number 11, I think, has, like, a whole thing where he goes up and yells at him. And he's like, what kind of man are you? Which I really liked because, you know, I was getting that vibe from this guy the whole time. So I'm like, yes, someone call him out. Yeah. Which I was great. And it was a good speech. And I was, like, somebody needed to talk to him like that, you know? Yeah. He needed to be set in the right path. He was not caring. Yeah. He was just very annoyed about the whole process. This was... Yeah, and I think that was something that was also, like, continually being brought up, is, like, the difference of between people who are taking it seriously and people who just wanted to leave. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, like, I think the importance of being, like, we're deciding if someone dies or not is, like had kept kept having to be reinstated but it's like it's not even like i understand that i think when we're doing our everyday lives and something annoying gets in the way even if it's really serious it can be so easy to be like this is so fucking annoying (laughs) and not engage with that seriousness you know like when i got into the car accident i was just really fucking annoyed i was so annoyed i was so annoyed by the whole thing but, like, it could have been way worse. Yeah. Like, it could have been really bad. And that would have been way worse than just being annoyed. You know what I mean? But still, the pri- the primary emotion I was having was being annoyed. And so I can, like, understand coming into a jury thing and being like, oh, I just want to leave. But I think continually having it reinstated that it's, like, actually way more serious and we need to, like, deprioritize our everyday life. It's interesting and important. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I I agree. I thought it was very interesting. We already talked a bunch about jury number eight. And nine. No, I want to talk about nine more. Okay. Nine. First off, he is, like, genuinely very old in mm-hmm. this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, he died, like, five years later. Okay. Which is sad. I'm saying that like he would be around now. 
He was born in the 1800s, which is also just a weird thing about time. But yeah, I liked him. Although the movie, probably the weirdest cinematography. I don't know if I'd say bad, <laughs> yeah. but I'm going to say weird. Is they do a lot of they do a handful of close up shots with the old man, yeah. and maybe it's something's just a little off about them. They may be a little too a slight downward angle. Yes, so they're a little goofy. They're a little goofy. Also, this actor. He's very charming, uh-huh. but he's probably like the least dramatic y actor of everyone. Okay. And so he's not quite as good in those close ups because he always does look a little goofy in the face. <laughs> I thought that was on purpose. He's sincere. Yeah. And I think it's intentional, but he is goofy. And I do want that. I want that noted for the record. I liked his um I liked his speech about, you know, the old man. Um I thought it was interesting. Again, seemed kind of maybe like the glasses thing where they were going too theoretical. Uh-huh. Um which I do feel like is something they were doing a lot, but again, it sounds like from the trial like it sounds like they really didn't get and it's because the defense was not doing what the defense should do. It sounds like they were trying to do all that work. So they didn't have the all of this stuff that they would have had if the trial had gone how it was supposed to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they had to do all this supposing themselves rather than having the defense like ask them these questions, which was too bad. Um kind of a little a little shaky there of like maybe what you're supposed to do i don't know but i don't remember my point <laughs> <laughs> no i kind of get where you were going uh next up is number 10 the xenophobe the xenophobic one who the oh big... the mean old guy yeah the right. xenophobic one he's many phobics that's what it's xenophobic. Yes. Well, I'm just reading the Wikipedia. I thought xenophobic just didn't like Jewish people. No. What? Xenophobic is anti-Semitic. That's what that word. Yeah, anti-Semitic. You're right. You're right. You're right. Xenophobic is a prejudice against people from other countries. Oh wow! I've been I've been equating those two for words for a really long time. I also kind of used it wrong. They're, <laughs> There is a lot of different phobics, but yeah. Okay, anyway. Google defines it as different country, which... Presume, also, this is the Wikipedia article. This could be just wrong. He's the racist, xenophobic guy. He, he doesn't like anyone who's different, and he's very like those people. He has a, he has a cold, which doesn't go anywhere, which... A- didn't help my well, it, assuredness that someone was going to die. Well, in what this do you room. mean it doesn't go anywhere? It's intention. He has a cold because he's sick. In the head. In the mind. <laughs> Is that really why? Well, I don't know if it's actually, but yeah, probably. He's sick because he's sick in the mind. His mind is infected with the virus of racism. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I see. I see the high see? school essay. Uh huh. <laughs> Um, 
That is a very high school. This is a very high school essay friendly thing. It is. It is. You can find meaning very quickly if you need to, but there is layers deeper if you it want. It does lead to the really good interaction with the juror number two, I think, when he has the cough drops. Uh-huh. And then he's like, does anyone want cough drops? And he gives one to juror number eight because he wants one. And then later, after that guy's been being an asshole, he's like, Where, do you have any cough drops? And he's like, I'm out. But we know he's not out. And you're like, yeah, juror number two, you are out. <laughs> <laughs> you're out of your damn mind. <laughs> anyway, yeah. He, this is not really, honestly, he's not really much of a character. He's more feeling an archetype in the film. He's there to present why racism is bad. And he does have character, but he's he's more there to fill a purpose. He's the most I feel like he has as much character as anyone else. I think he's the most purpose fill character. He was written very intently. Yeah. And that's fine. I'm not saying it's bad, but it is very intentional. I just think he still feels like a character. Okay. I don't disagree with that. Oh, okay. Next we have juror number 11. 11. Ha-ha. Our juror, our, what was it? I don't know. I saw, I just bet it. European watchmaker. I got Swiss vibes for some reason. Mm. He seemed very Swiss, just in like his accent. Yeah. But it could just be generic European. He is, um... And an immigrant. And so a watchmaker. What do you mean and a watchmaker? Or a watch repairman. Do, are there prejudices against watch repairers? No, that's just very Switzerland. Oh, I see. Right. I think. So I was talking about, because I was going to say that he gets some flack from other people. Because it's like, you're not even from this country. Why are you talking about stuff? Whatever. And then he also talks about democracy. From that whole, like, democracy's amazing, America's so free, whatever. Maybe he's not Switzerland. Maybe he's Austrian. Yeah, because he talks about democracy. Like, he's like, this is what's so cool about democracy. uh, Switzerland would have not had... Switzerland is pretty good at democracy. I don't know. Yeah, he's European. I'm so bad at geography. He's European uh, ten years after World War II. So, understandably, he's had close interaction with bad democracy he's really he's really cool i like him he's very sincere he's very sincere he, he's, i love his little speech where he's, he's like why do i have to pick a side we're just trying to talk yeah and he's like kind of really upset he's similar to the german guy who's not german mm-hmm. but like nicer the German guy who's not German, he's he's maybe nice, but like more earnest, more mm-hmm. emotion based. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. I like this guy. He also so the next guy, the ad guy, spends a lot of the movie talking to him, uh-huh. which is interesting because because they're talking so much. They're just off in the corner talking for a long time. Yet, by the end of the movie, I don't feel like they've made a really deep connection. Nope. And I feel like part of that is because Ad Guy is talking at him, and he's allowing him to, rather than they're having a conversation. I agree. Which is also interesting. Yeah. Um, Ad Guy, which is a good transition to juror number 12. Yeah. Uh, 
Ad Guy's problem is he's not very focused. He's one of the least present, which is saying a lot because Baseball Guy is not present. Yeah. But Ad Guy is just struggling to be here. Yeah. It reminded me a lot of, like, teenagers without phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the sense of he kind of just doesn't know what to do with himself and he doesn't really want to be there. Mm-hmm. He's very weak. He's very easy to go back and forth. Yeah. Uh, I liked him very little. I did not like him. He was my less favorite character. I liked him as a character because I think he's um, a cool character. I didn't like him. Because he's very Mad Men. He's the Mad Men guy. I didn't like him. I'm not saying I like him as a person. I like him as a character. I don't like him as a person. Okay. I'm talking about person. He's a character. He's fine. He serves his purpose for the film. Yeah. He does a good job in that regard, but I still don't like him. Okay. It's fine. I'm not disagreeing. Good. I'm not <laughs> disagreeing. We don't disagree that often. <laughs> and, and that's all the jurors. Overall, I enjoyed it. I do wonder. As we as we've talked about the plot, right? There there was there's been a lot of supposing. And I wonder if them being a hung jury and getting a better trial. They wouldn't have got a better trial. Yeah, that's the problem. They wouldn't have gotten a better he trial. He couldn't have got a better trial because he couldn't get a better lawyer. I really wanted to see him at the end. Why? Because I because we saw him at the beginning. I got to see him being all sad. I wanted to see him at the end. I think the point was that it wasn't about him. It was about him for me. It, it wasn't... Like, it was about him, but he wasn't really a character. He was a prop in this story. I, I know, I know. But that's just what I wanted. I can't help, but I but I wanted it. I like that they didn't show it, because we didn't need it. It would have made it like a... It wouldn't have made it like a hoorah, woo ending. And the whole... I feel like the whole point of the ending was very like, okay, moving on. That's true. Because that's, right. that's when they go up to each other and they're like, hey, what was your name? And one of them's like, Dave. Yeah. And it's like, and it feels so... Like in. So it feels so... Which also was very old school. Are you allowed to be friends with jurors? After the jury? Yeah. I guess they can't make a law against that, but... It would be weird. Why? Because you're not supposed to be friends. You're not supposed to be friends? Like, you're not there to be friendly, so you're there to discuss the case. But what if you fall in love? Then you did a bad job as a jury person. What? Come on, you you, can't help things like that. You can help things like that, because you're not supposed to be telling love stories and all that. You're just supposed to focus on the case and go home. No, but like, what? you focus on the case, you get vibes, you exchange contact information. Is that allowed? That's case by case, but probably not. You wouldn't. You can't talk to each other about the case outside of the jury room. Yeah. And you can't talk to each other about anything. After. Okay. I don't know enough about jury, <laughs> but you seem very passionate about. <laughs> you really want to make a friend when you go to jury duty, so I'm gonna root for you to make a friend. But I'm gonna tell you, probably what's gonna happen if you ever go to jury duty, is. First off, you're going to be exempt because you're chronically sick and you are going to have to get up and be at court for 8 a.m. Oh. Every day for 
weeks, maybe That's months. Not good. And you're gonna have to sit there still in a courtroom. How are you supposed to do that if you have a job? Your job legally has to let you go to do this. But how do you make money if it's months? If it's for like a really long time, they'll pay you. But like, it has to be a really long time. Weird. But you're supposed to tell them before, like, hey, I cannot afford to do jury duty. Oh, I see. But I just thought I it don't, would be They fun. don't always care about that. I just thought it would be fun. Jury duty is long and boring. Sorry, not jury duty would be fun. <laughs> I t- <laughs> jury duty is famously long and boring. I, that is not what I meant. I don't know why I said that. I just think it would be nice if they're allowed to be friends after. Anyway, I say this because old man comes up to juror number eight and is the one who's like, does that. And then they're like, so long. And it's like kind of funny because they're probably never going to see each other again. And I was thinking that's so old fashioned because, you know, they didn't like get their numbers or anything. But then I was like, maybe they're not allowed to do that. They probably aren't supposed to do that. No. So they're not supposed to be friends. Because if you become friends after the trial, that questions the integrity of your vote. Because you weren't, maybe you weren't voting because you sincerely thought he was not guilty. You did it because your friend was in the room and your friend thought it was not guilty. What about twins? (laughs) Could they be jurors? Okay. I just really, really want to stress how a jury is selected (laughs) here in Ontario. I read about this last night. Okay. Is everyone's health card insurance is basically put into a lottery mm-hmm. it's a, probably a digital computer system but i really like the idea of just a million every health card's printed twice yeah and they just have a big thing and they have yeah. like some girl named susan yeah who just spins who it. it yeah and that's how they pick it from and then they send you a form to be like can you be on a jury you fill it out and then they use those forms to contact people to come for jury duty they pick from a bunch of people down to a group of 12. Sometimes they have a few extra, in case, especially for, like, big trials. Yeah. Because they need to dismiss jurors sometimes. Yeah. The likelihood of two twins both being picked, both being <laughs> summoned, both going together, both getting through all those processes and not at any point being dismissed is just very small. <laughs> You're right. It's like Powerball. Times infinity. Oh my god, a TV show? Oh my god, a TV show about being on a jury and like you get there and somebody's there who looks exactly like you. (laughs) It's like long lost twin sayer. (laughs) But you're not supposed to talk to them. Okay, Uh, Jinian has gone goofy, which means it's a good time to end the podcast. I hate those storylines. I want to thank everyone so much for listening to today's episode of Friends of you Film You didn't Camp. want to do Last Thoughts? That was Last Thoughts. Lost Twins? I was doing Last, Thought, last Thoughts <laughs> and you have gone into Zany Ginian, which is always a hard thing to <laughs> figure out where to go. So if you have any Last Thoughts, you may say them now. No <laughs> juries about twins, though. This is a really good movie. It's a really good... You should watch it. It's fun. And it's, it's not really good in like, oh, it's really good because it's good for you to watch it. Like, it's it's intellectually it's a, good. Like, it's actually entertaining. Yes. It is not an action-y movie. It is people talking. They're talking very excitingly. 
But yeah, be aware of what you're getting into. It's going to be. Yeah, but it's quiet. not even like a like it's not even like in like an intense like Oscar drama where you're like bored or dreading having to watch it or anything. Like it's like fun. What? That just sounded like you all of Oscar month, <laughs> dreading watching all these. And that concludes today's episode of Friends at Film Camp. Thank you all so much for listening, and we'll catch you next time at the campfire.